All right, guys, welcome back to another edition of Texans Unfiltered, a Houston football podcast for your Houston Texans. I am Young Ari Gold, and as usual, I'm joined by my friends and co-host, Brad Grew, John Wade, the Garnet Texan. And fellas, we're coming off of a Monday night football game. John is here with me as we cooked some 12-week-aged New York strip on the grill and watched the game. Uh, Brad was not able to join us because he had meetings all day. Uh, and man, what a game. Lots to get into. Uh, but I mean, how are you guys feeling after that game, John? Wow. We Wow, I'm kind of speechless. We've won eight in a row. That's never happened before. And then on top of that, we kicked the shit out of the Titans. So that's always enjoyable to do. It's always enjoyable. I like that uh, that comment I saw where it says we should turn the Titans nickname from the tits to the taints because tits are too awesome. I like the response, though. But who doesn't like the fuck tits? Who doesn't like what? The fuck tits. The fuck tits. No, it's true. Everybody likes to. Everybody likes to fuck tits. It's pretty much a guaranteed. Brad, pretty sure you <laughs> like to like to do that. Correct. Oh, uh, yeah, sure, guys. <laughs> okay, Brad doesn't like to fuck tits. I guess. No, we got it. We got the rails really early there. We caught Brad off guard with that one. Oh, yeah, re- rest in peace, Bob McNair. Like, <laughs> you know. Oh wow! <laughs> I don't know if we can have those two together. Uh, we'll have to edit that out. Nah, we'll just play. This is Texans Unfiltered. What Rolling can you over do? In his grave. Uh, well, he can't after the way that the Texans showed up for tonight, and it's funny the way it started with it being 10-0, blown I'm coverage. Be in so much trouble. You are. Yes. Oh yeah, Robin <laughs> is going to kill you for that one. It's nice knowing y'all. You better hope that she does not listen to this episode. Well, I'm pretty sure my father-in-law listens to it. So. Oh no! Oh, that's great. We have to keep it now. Hello, father-in-law. Uh, John does not like. Am I going to make it worse if I keep going? <laughs> Probably. Okay, I'll just stop. I'll just stop. Oh, oh I, that's dug, great. I dug my own hole. So. Uh, you use what holes? I, I, no, I dug uh. my. Own. okay all right back to normal back to normal oh i miss this when it's in person uh how we sound um anyways back to football uh not holes um yeah starting off 10-0 and i literally was sitting here in the living room like oh well this is going exactly how we should not go and then out of nowhere we just start to start to take off so brad i'll let you pick this time do you want to start on the defensive side of the ball or the offensive side of the ball oh you know i think we have to start on the offensive side you know that lamar miller uh run you know just like last week the defense um you know with the reeds return you know big play opened up the game and completely changed momentum and i think uh that was key to our turnaround you know coming back from uh 10 down 10 nothing um you know lamar miller uh really stepping up his game you know had great runs during the first drive as well uh, and then the huge run back. Yeah. Yeah. Now, granted that, that run, the 97 run yard run was awesome, but you've got to give it to Cunningham for just straight up. Yeah. Yeah. That B Mac Cunningham stuff. Dude. Like that was a stuff. That was an Oreo double stuff. Yeah. What, that was, what, who that was, was that? That was the fullback. That they was the fullback. fullback. What was his name? Was it? Was I it don't know. It's, he's a tank or something. I don't know. It was actually the tight end. And it was his first rush of his career. There you go. Um, so that's Tight just end. crazy. Just, just Vrabel's being Vrabel. Um, you know, it's just, I can't believe he made that call there whenever he has a 240 pound, you know, halfback. 
Little, yeah, a little, little too much salt and pepper on uh, Mike Vrabel's beard for my liking tonight. I was uh, He's a little long in the tooth. I don't expect him to be around much longer. I mean, he'll make it through next this season, but eh, let's see what happens. Anyways, all right, let's stick with the offense. So, um, as always, let's start with the offensive line first. Uh, you know, tonight made me realize that our offensive line really isn't as bad as we truly think that Deshaun just does not know how to get rid of the football quick enough for the off for. And and it makes the offensive line look bad. I mean, there were so many, most of his sacks were him trying to move around in the pocket, extend plays. Yeah. It's that hero ball that we talk about. It's what makes him great. But at the same time, there's going to be a lot of, Oh shit. Oh shit. What are you doing? What are you doing? Even the uh, 34 yard run was Oh shit! Oh shit! Oh shit! Go 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 go! Shit! Get your ass down! Yeah, cut left! Cut left! I'm screaming! And cut don't left! Don't fumble! And don't fumble! Yeah, no, I I just was looking like when you watch the offensive line, like uh, look, we're not a premier offensive line, uh, but I don't think we're as bad as people like to try to say we are. I think I think we have gotten better as the season's gone on. I mean, we talked about it at the beginning of the season. That's that's what we expected as the play continued and as the camaraderie started to build. It's kind of hard to build camaraderie when Calamite is missing, you know, half a game every week. But uh, Mance just seems to continue to play that role of wherever you need me to go, I'll perform like he well, did. Just look at it comparatively to the Titans. The Titans coming into the season had PFF's number one yeah. uh, O-line grade. They've sunk two first-round picks into their first round or into their offensive line. They've also paid a pretty penny and free agency to build that offensive line. Yep. And they look like garbage half the time. Yeah. Sometimes they're all right, but sometimes they just look straight up garbage. And ours where we've got what a third round, a fourth rounder, a couple of medium free agents and a second rounder. Is that our highest pick on the, on yeah. the line? A second yeah. rounder? Nick Martin. It's not necessarily the assets that you sink into the offensive line. It's getting the right guys to play together. And since these guys have started to gel and started to play together, yeah, they do look a whole lot better. They do. And if you look at the run game in general, like if, if we just take away, if we take away, if we separate the two pass protection and run blocking, uh, the run blocking is, is premier right now, the, at least for the last four weeks. But I think a lot of that credit actually has to go to Lamar Miller, too. I mean, he's seeing a lot of different things and making cuts that we really haven't seen lately. Uh, that 97-yard run was solely Lamar Miller. There was, I mean, there was a couple of good blocks, but... He saw that he and went. turned that into 97 right. yards. He turned a five-yard run into 97 yards. Yeah. yeah that, that, was, that was all Lamar. The, the offensive line is, is obviously not... It's not top tier, but it's good enough to win you games. And... Don't get it twisted. Tennessee does have a good defense, and they have a good defensive line. Uh, Jarrell Casey, in my opinion, is the most underrated defensive end in the league. And all of us in Texas know who Brian Arakpo is. So. And everybody in Texas knows Brad is probably extremely familiar with Brian Arakpo. So uh, the, the the Tennessee Titans have a good defensive line, and it's just it just shows you the work that Mike Devlin is doing. You know, we everybody was calling for Mike Devlin's head. It's like. How can you fire your offensive line coach when he he doesn't get to pick his players? He's only able to coach up and get the most out of what he has. And when it comes to that position in general, it really starts to build as time continues. Yeah, running joke for me will be 
he's turned Kendall Lamb into a player. And he's probably the most disappointed I've ever been of any player that we've had on our roster. And now he's a straight up player. Yeah, so. no, I, I agree hundred percent. Uh, yeah, it, it's great. All right, let's get to uh, let's get to Lamar Miller. Let's let Brad get off here. I know he's I know he's chomping at the bit to talk about Lamar Miller. Um, but first, before we get to Brad, John, is there anything that you want to say to Lamar? Is there? I mean, are you going to send him edible arrangements? Dude, are like you going to potentially should. fuck his tits? Like, <laughs> what what could you do to uh, you know mend that bridge? That- I'm going I'm to bring him some flowers. Okay. Uh, maybe some bath bombs. Sure, sure. Hey, bath bombs are nice. They fizzle. You know? Um, maybe rub his feet a little bit. Okay. Uh, They're probably yeah. sore. They they definitely are sore. Yeah. Um, I Yeah. I'm, I'm sorry, Lamar. I, I Seriously, I don't know what else to say. I'm sorry. Yeah. You also said he's not a feature back. Wouldn't be a number one back on any team. Do you remember that conversation on the podcast? You've got to... You've got to also understand when I said that I said he would be a good change of pace back one A to one B. Correct. They're, he'd ask to split time, and that's how they ran him with blue. So I'm not taking it back completely. Okay. Um, I still stand by when Lamar Miller is used properly. If, if he's used as more of a complimentary piece, that he can blow the game open, and that's is that what we saw tonight. What was the uh, split on carries tonight? Uh, I think Blue actually ended up getting more carries than Lamar Miller, but I mean, that's what Wouldn't obvious. that just prove my point? No, it doesn't prove your point. It just shows that we were up by 17 at one point, and hey, this is our best running back. Let's not get him hurt. Well, if he's splitting carries, he's better than if we're trying to give him 30 carries a game. Okay, well now, while, while, Brad, while I'm talking to you, Brad, how many carries on the season, while I, fig- while I squash this with John, does... Lamar Miller have and does Alfred Blue have minus the game that Lamar Miller missed because we're going to need to figure this out. Uh, you said, right. you said, yeah, you said that he is a change of pace back more of a one a one b. It works if he's in if a he's tandem paired, if, if yeah, he's, he's paired, paired properly. And I said to you, Lamar Miller is a number one back when used right. And tonight. Isn't, tonight, that, isn't that the exact same argument? Though? No, 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 no. If he's used, he's a one, he's a one back. So you're saying that you could give him 30 carries a game, correct? By correct. himself, if used correctly, yes. Given his sustainability, his lack of injury history, the way that he runs the ball when used properly, yes, he is a number one back. 25 just, to 30 carries a game. As he gets beat up, he loses a step. Does he not? Well, you missed the first two drives of, of this game. True. The first drive he had, I, I want to say he had at least 50 to 60 yards. He was the only offense we had. Uh, and then the second drive as well, he just wasn't as, uh, as successful, but then comes the big gain. It, it's like, I think Lamar, when he's given the, the run scheme that fits him and the play calls that are designed to, you know, levitate what he does well. It works for him. And when you talk about outside runs, counters, those types of things, we saw exactly what that was. That was a counter play broke the off. The only thing I am arguing with you about is I, I miss agree these in-person arguments, by right. the way. Do what? I miss these in-person arguments. Oh, yeah, I'm sure you do. Um, is the amount of carries. So, Yes, he needs to be stretched. He needs to be used in stretch runs and zone reads. 
He needs to, I, we didn't even give him a, there was no toss plays. No. Things like that that he does excel in. Right. My complaint with him is if you're trying to run him between the guard and the center for those short yards and even to an extent between tackles, he wears down too quickly and he can't use that burst and that speed. And then he's also, at times, he doesn't have great vision. All of a sudden, the past couple of weeks, I don't know if he's just been staying up all night with the iPad or what, but his vision has been noticeably better. And I think it's because he's not getting as beat up as he has in the past. Maybe. Because for two two years, we were giving the ball to him about 30 times a game. We're trying. But how were we running him? Eighty percent of those runs there, were it was power runs up the middle, and I think I think that it's both. Okay, as I've always I've said before, the Lamar Miller would be closer to something like a Shane Vereen on 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 steroids. You've always said that he is a better pass catcher than we give him credit for. We just don't pass him to the ball. We don't. He's better in space. Yep. And if there's a hole, he is going to run through it, and he's going to run through it very very quickly. The problem is he has always worn down. And part of it in the past, it looked like he was trying to carry too much muscle to be the feature back. So this year he's come in and he actually dropped 10 pounds and he has looked faster all year. Yeah. And I think that whatever's going on lately is he's trying to maybe embrace the system. I, I, I really don't know. Maybe something just clicked. And the past couple of games, he's been a much, much better running back than any time that he has shown us in Houston. I agree. No, I mean, I agree. I, I just, I do think that he is. Brad, please tell me you have that. <laughs> so, I mean, on the season, uh, Blue has 102 attempts and Miller has 145. You know, take out the game that he missed and, Blue, and you know, Lamar is almost tw- two to one carries to, uh, mm. to Blue. Mm. Um, and then, interesting. And we're, we're uh, L- Lamar's really, uh, helped is with you know he has 16 receptions for about eight yards per reception so um you know i think well, he, i think he can't be interesting I, I i kind of agree with both of you because i think we have to use him you know he's not a between the tackles type of runner um i think if you get 30 to 35 carries a game doing that you are going to wear him down but i don't think that the the texans run offense is really um built on that anyways you know i think they have a lot of uh zone plays and i think as the line has gotten more uh, time to work together that they've they've stretched the run a little bit more um, yeah I really do believe that earlier in the season whenever they were, were forcing it through the tackles even three or four weeks ago it's just because they're the patchwork offensive line just didn't have um, the gel to make that work I, I think Lamar is definitely seeing seeing the cuts better but I think there's more cuts there for him to make now uh, than ever before yeah, no, I agree. I think uh, I think w- the one big thing, like future wise, that I took away from this game, John, and and I, I don't think you'll agree with me, but is when Deontay Foreman is back next year, I still think that we take a running back potentially third or fourth round, but I think what he showed tonight keeps him on this roster mo- at least for one more year because it's kind of like the whole clowny. Watt thing. We wanted to see it for so long. We've never been able to. We see it glimpses and we see what it can look like. And then something happens and they're not on the field together. It's like Deontay, this this goes back to your argument with if you can have a Lamar Miller and you can have a Deontay Foreman that we saw last year, or at least 95% of what we saw last year, I think at that point you have that tandem that you're talking about where 
you want to run it up the middle, you have Deontay to do that. When you want to run those counters, tosses, and stretches, you have Lamar Miller for that. And I think tonight yeah, showed – Foreman, prior to his injury, was the perfect complement to Lamar Miller. No, he was. That's part of the reason why Alfred Blue has stuck around for as long as he has, is Alfred Blue is actually a very good complement for what Lamar Miller does. And the Ponte Foreman was essentially just like the rich man's version of Alfred Blue. Yeah. Um, so they do mesh pretty well. And I do think that that's what they were actually shooting for. Sure. Prior to the injury. Lightning and, and thunder type thing. Yeah. And they both, there's enough overlap in their game that when one comes on the field, you wouldn't necessarily have to throw the playbook out and the defense would still have to guess, even though they both have their own strengths. I still think that it's not Foreman coming back to replace Miller. It's forming if Foreman is able to play this year, it's to see if he can continue to play at a high level at the running back position. Hmm. Just because coming back from an Achilles is hard to do. And if he's not able to do so, I just can't I don't know what they're gonna do with Lamar Miller next year. I do imagine them bringing him back, but just in more limited role. They're gonna have to look for somebody else. Yeah, no. And, I mean, I hope I'm wrong. I hope he catches fire and carries us through the playoffs. Like, that would be my preference. Don't get me wrong. But he's, what, going to be 28? 29? Yes, 28. 28 next year? So he's... He's still close enough. Yeah, he's kind of getting a little long in the tooth for a running back. But, again, if they use him properly, he's a good player. I have never argued that when he's used properly, he's a bad player. It's just, are they able to use him properly? No, I agree. I agree. Uh, all right, uh, Brad. When it comes to Ryan Griffin, I have a. I have a it's a pretty simple question. It's very straightforward, um, and I think you can answer this. Um, why the fuck is Ryan Griffin on the field? <laughs> I don't know, man. It really is feast or famine with him because as much as I want to hate him, then he has that beautiful play where he he chip blocks, then he goes out on amazing. You know, picks up the amazing third down. You know, I think it was a fifteen or twenty yard game. Amazing. Well, I, I mean, for for our tight ends, yeah, I don't know if our young tight ends could have done that. I think, I think me or you could have went out there and made that play. <laughs> um, yeah. I don't know. After you would have to pick yourself up out of pieces after getting destroyed on that chip. Yeah, by Rackpo. I don't. Yeah, I don't. I'll lay a Rackpo's bitch ass right down. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, and I then you'd be in a little bit. Of, he's a Texas guy. I'll knock his ass down to the ground. I know where he sells some cupcakes. I'll go see his cupcakes and shove them straight in his face and then run straight the fuck out as quick as possible. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. We're in a goofy mood tonight, obviously. It's probably not it's too good. we won eight games in a row. Yeah, we it's kind of weird that, that we won we eight games in a row. We haven't even talked about that yet. <laughs> Is this real life? Uh, like, seriously. Like, okay, look, I, I get what you're saying, Brad. He he had a couple plays tonight. I think he I think he finished with like three or four catches. But But honestly, like... Those plays still could have been done exactly the same way, if not better, by Aikens or Thomas. And that drop that he had on that third down, that's staying in my memory. Um, I, I just don't – it doesn't make it doesn't make sense for me. But it, I, I get it. He's, he's, he was productive tonight, so I guess he somewhat gets a pass. But if I'm a head coach of this team, there's no reason for him to be on the field and, and – I just don't like him. I, I think, think he's, he's a little bit. I think he's only on the team because of their lack of, you know, their lack of depth 
in in their skill position players. You know, I think we've seen like with Damaris Thomas coming in, who's an extremely intelligent receiver. It's taken him three or four weeks to get up off the ground. Um, you know, I I just don't think that Bob really thinks he can he can get the young tight ends up to where they need to be in the crucial moments. Yes, I do agree completely that Griffin has screwed the pooch on at least one or t- two times a game. He's screwing the pooch with either a bad block or a miss or a missed catch. Or um, and he had, he had two of those a day. He had a bad block and a missed catch again today. Um, and so it's just one of those things. I think we just have to, I just think we have to wait it out for the rest of the season and hope that he doesn't hurt us more than he helps us. And tonight, I think it just, there was a slight advantage to him helping us more than hurting us. Um, but you know, last week it was the complete opposite. So it's just really feast or famine with them. And it's just one of those things. It's completely frustrating because you can see the potential it's there. He has the skills and he has the ability to make the plays. He just, he just, gets brain farts and just doesn't doesn't execute for whatever reason. Yeah. Uh, I just don't want to see him in the Texas jersey anymore, but whatever. I think it's more, for me, I'm more excited about the rookies, and I think that they have more potential and upside. And considering what we've seen in, this is what, week 9, week 10? Week 11. It's week 11, right? It's week 11. Right it's week 11. I don't know. I, we I was, won eight I was straight. still trying to figure out what to say back to uh, about Ryan Griffin. I'm just going with the theory that whatever player we talk the most shit about on this podcast ends up blowing up a week or two later. So, all right. All right, Ryan, now's your time. Oh, good. Well, I'll give you a segment on Clowney and his, uh, his stiff arms that he took today. So maybe we could talk some shit about him and get him to turn around and show up anyways. All right. Uh, John Demarius Thomas, what a what a good game, a uh, great game by him. He's uh, taken on the, uh, the Will Fuller role of every other catch as a touchdown. Yep. And, you know, it was funny when, right before you walked in, I told we were right before the first touchdown. I said, watch, watch Kiki break on the inside and and uh, Demarius go to the corner of the end zone. And boom, it was just perfectly designed. Uh, that was a play that we would run with Will Fuller often. And uh, as Demarius is getting up to speed with this offense and, and doing the things that he's capable of doing, uh, when you get two touchdowns and what, almost 40 yards from your fourth round pick. You're, that's a great day. Well, that's pretty much what Demarius Thomas was, is a fourth-round pick for us. And um, he's definitely showing up. Is this kind of what I think I think tonight is like a sneak peek into what to expect from Demarius Thomas? Is that something we should come to expect moving forward, John? Or is that more of a uh, just a just a one-game thing? Well, he's been dropped into the willful role in the offense, which – as we've seen, and all of us fantasy players had uh, said it was completely unsustainable, that if Deshaun Watson was on the field with Will Fuller, every other catch, it seemed, was a touchdown. I mean, it honestly, his his touchdown rate was absolutely insane. and It really should have been un- unsustainable, but it just kept continuing. And guess what? Guess who's dropped into the Will Fuller role? Demarius Thomas. I said it almost as a joke, but at the same time, there may be some truth for it, for that when... It's with with Hop, it's almost like jab, 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 and then Demarius Thomas slash Will Fuller is that uppercut. And that's what it looked like tonight, and we'll see if it continues. There's a play, and I'll have to – I brought it up to you when we were watching the game. I don't remember exactly what it was, so I'll have to watch the All-22 and get back to it. But there was a play where it was a check down, and I believe it was Demarius Thomas – who actually had his corner beat by four steps. I said, oh, do you remember when I was talking to that? I said, hey, that guy has – I don't know who that was, but he has four steps on him. 
Uh, I'm pretty sure it was Demarius Thomas. Um, so I, I, yeah, I think you're right. I think he's, I think they're sliding him in a little, a little, a little slower than they would, you know, probably like to, but I think, um, I think these are a sign of good things to come from Demarius Thomas. And the fact that he was involved in the game plan to me speaks volume of what we can come to expect from him moving forward. Brad, what are your thoughts on Demarius Thomas? And, and is this really, is this something that we're going to come to expect from him moving forward? I think it's going to be a game by game basis. I think they really kind of dove into the tape from uh, Andrew Luck, just tearing apart the, uh, the Titans uh, secondary last week and it, they kind of mirrored that game plan, I think, but I think the most impressive catch for Damaris Thomas for me was the third down conversion. I think it was third and two or something along those lines. And he made the, he made the catch right at the sticks and was basically just the, uh, the safety valve for, for uh, DW four. And I think that's where he could be the biggest, he could be the biggest asset to this team is being someone that just while he's scrambling, um, DW4 can just look for him and know that he can just put it in there close and that big body receiver is just going to go out and get it. And um, we're talking, you know, in the five to 15 yard range where D, uh, where Hopkins is going to be, you know, further down the field. Uh, that's where I re- I'm really excited, you know, kind of where we hope to see that the young tight ends get into as well. Uh, but I think that shorter passing game is just going to help augment the running game, which just stretches the field even more for uh, Kiki if he can stay healthy and then also Nuke. Yeah, no, I agree with you 100%. I think uh, I think there's a lot of good things coming to this offense. I think I don't think that this was necessarily the offensive coming out party because uh, we saw glimpses of it in Miami. But I do think that this is – a step in the right direction for us to understand what is to come from this offense. You know, a lot of people have been complaining about how we're winning these games, winning by missed field goals, winning by, you know, two. And, you know, I I get it. It's not pretty football. Uh, It's not how you want to win a game. But when you take into consideration what the team has dealt with, losing Will Fuller, Kiki not being there every game, uh, the lack of no Deontay Foreman, the offensive line being reshuffled every other week due to an injury. Um, now it's like, okay, consistent offensive line play. You know, obviously Kelamente gets hurt, but Mance slides in. Demarius Thomas is getting up to speed on the playbook. Uh, Kiki QT is uh, obviously a player that teams are going to have to take into account. And uh, and then the emergence of Demarius Thomas, once he gets up to speed and is right back to where um, we expect him to be, then I think this offense is going to be one of those offenses that can compete with the other teams. And, and we'll get that to that later on, but... Um, really for me, I think the one thing that I came away with on this game that scares me is just that Kiki is hurt again. Uh, I know it's a minor hamstring. He looked like he was laughing and and having a good time on the field, um, in the second half. So, uh, I don't know how serious the injury is. Maybe it was just a precautionary thing. Maybe he felt a little tight and they said, yeah, you're not, you're not going back out there. We have a, a big enough lead, but, uh, Kiki's health is going to be, something to watch for later on in the week as we practice on a short week and go to a, what I think now could potentially be the toughest game of our schedule might possibly still be the Colts, but the Browns, but we'll get into that at the end and stop laughing, John, when I say the Browns. Uh, All right. Uh, Deshaun Watson, Brad, what was your thoughts on his game? You know, I think there was a lot of great things that he did. I think he's definitely seeing, seeing recognizing the blitz is better i think he's still trying to play hero ball you know he took four or five hits that he he really shouldn't have taken he needs to learn how to slide you know that fumble could have been a fumble i think the fact that you know on his 35 yard run i think the fact that it wasn't was wasn't because it was a bad cause because it was basically uh is how it was ruled on the field i think if they call it a fumble would have been a 
would have stood as a fumble. Um, you know, we were a couple of bad mistakes away from this game going the other way. Um, I don't want to, you know, sound sour or anything like that, but it's just there's definitely room for him to improve. But I think he's definitely making progress. You know, the 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 little flip play as he's falling down on Lamar Miller was just amazing. Um, you know, the the noodle arm comments during the combine are just ridiculous. Like he was zinging the ball in just, uh, you know, I think he led Demarius Thomas one time or maybe it was uh, Aikens or one of the young, young tight ends over the middle. And he should have led them, but he just threw a bullet right into their hands and like nobody could have caught that ball is going so fast. So uh, a lot of good to come from. But I think, again, just hold on the ball too long and trying to be a huge playmaker. And that's just uh, going to come with uh, experience and recognizing the blitzes more than anything. Yeah, I want to get John's thoughts on this, but I think what I've come to expect now is the hero ball is not going away. Yeah, this is this is this is just how Deshaun Watson plays. I think that maybe he'll get better at the hero ball, but I don't think the hero ball is going to go away anytime soon. I think that's just a part of his game. I think it's always going to be there. But John, I mean, he had an efficient game tonight, no turnovers, uh, a couple touchdowns, definitely looked good, uh, looked comfortable. Um, he was sassy, which was, which was nice to see, but I mean, what were your thoughts on this game? I mean, he did exactly what was asked of him. Um, it's one of those where I think he didn't even finish the game with over 200 yards passing. Yeah, uh, um, he did. Did he? Yeah. Or just barely. It was like 217. Yeah. I mean, it's not eye popping stats, but it's exactly what we needed him to do. Yeah. He Took care of the ball, made plays when it was necessary, played within the offense. And he, yeah, he still does hero ball. That's, I agree with you. That's not going away. If that goes away, that means he's playing scared. Right. And the more that he's playing hero ball, it's means the more freer that he's playing. Again, he's got, they were pointing out during the game that he's got a lot of control of the line of scrimmage. He sets his pass protections. Things like that can lead to him being more efficient and us playing with better pace when we need it. But there's also going to be growing pains with it. That's part of where his sacks come from. And then the other part is, yeah, he's always looking to try and make something out of nothing. Now, that's probably going to win us a couple of games, and it's probably probably going to lose us a couple of games. I just think in the long run, it's going to win us more games than not. And we're just going to continue to see him improve and improve and improve. And... I mean, it's one of the things that we've said the best part about Deshaun is he is a mobile quarterback, but he does look to stay, he looks to throw first. Not necessarily stay in the po- pocket, but he is having his eyes downfield and he is looking to throw. My only concern with him is he just looks completely uncomfortable in the empty sets. I don't really see why we continue to, to use that formation as often as we do. Pretty much that's got to be a a really quick throw. And he always kind of hesitates with it and his eyes kind of drops. But I, I, it's one of those formations that Bill O'Brien's had a lot of success in the past. You've seen Tom Brady run it like a champ. And with Deshaun and his ability to, to run the ball, that empty formation – should be something that's ap- absolutely lethal, but right now he's just not comfortable with it. Yeah, no, it's funny you bring that up. I, I wonder what the stats are for how many times Deshaun has rushed the ball in that set. Because if you – I'm just thinking of a couple plays tonight, but typically if he's running, 
it's typically out of that formation because his first option isn't either there. And instead of going through his reads, he just goes with what's comfortable at that time and uses his legs. Usually in an empty set, you're just going to have your two reads on that side of the field. Right. So he's looking to get off a quick pass, whichever direction he's looking. And if it's not there, I am assuming that he's given the okay to run based on the fact that O'Brien says they don't really call any place for him to run. He only, he runs when he feels as though it's, it's a good spot for him to run, but I'm, I'm not sure. Uh, that's something that'd be great to just look at a complete breakdown on. Yeah. Yeah. I think that would be a good breakdown. All right. Uh, so, I mean, the offense uh, as a whole tonight, solid. Uh, definitely. I mean, it's kind of hard to not say that the offense was solid when you break off a 97 yard run. And then the way that Lamar Miller was just running the ball in the first half in general, um, was truly just great to watch. So hopefully we continue to see that. We're not going to obviously see another 97-yard run this year, but it is funny that we've seen a 97-yard run this week, and then last week we saw a 102-yard interception return. So two massive plays to change the dynamic of the game by two players that, even though we love Justin Reed, it's not like anybody expected a, a massive play like that, and then Lamar Miller today. So... All right, let's get into the defense. And, John, I want you to answer this question for me. It's, it's a rather simple one. There's, it's actually two. Well, I'll, I'll put it into one question for you. How the fuck did Clowney get stiff-armed by Mariota and then, on top of that, get stiff-armed by 5'6 Dion Lewis and just get destroyed by a little baby running back and it'd be nothing? And, and his, his length is far superior to both of theirs. So I want to hear your excuse for your boy uh, Clowney on why he was manhandled by Marcus Mariota, Mariota and Dion Lewis. Well, I'd love to see, hear the rebuttal. Yeah, please, <laughs> please lay it on me thick. There's a, uh, it's a pass Russian technique. Where <laughs> oh, okay. That's a new one to me. <laughs> oh, you dupe them. You let them, no, you no, let no. them uh, put actually, their hands on you. You're, uh, pass rushers are taught that one arm's longer than two uh-huh. and to kind of to punch with the one arm. Okay. So that's kind of why the stiff arms are. Sure. I, dude, I, I don't have any excuses. I'm just trying to pull something out of my ass. Yeah. Clowney, both of his arms were st- <laughs> still longer than Dion Lewis's little midget ass. I think and his arms are longer than his body. They, <laughs> he could He could tie... Deion Lewis's shoes standing up. Right. I mean, it, okay. I, I, All right. I, I don't have any excuse. enough, enough I, pressure I, here. I, I about died when Mariota did it. And then when Deion, and I like Deion Lewis. Don't get me wrong. He's no, a good I player. He's just smaller than me and he plays running back. He should NFL. not be able to do that to no, Clowney. Not to Clowney. Yeah. No. Especially I, after Clowney straight up humiliates a right tackle. A multiple plays tonight. Yeah. And then you get clowned by. The smallest guy on the field. Yeah. I don't get it. I mean, I guess that's your your piece now because you've had to apologize it's, to Clowney, so this feels great to this you. This feels amazing. <laughs> like, you're just going to pull it up. Well, at least he, he got clowned by a 5'7 player. I mean, shit. I, I mean, that's all I need to pull up from now on. I don't know if you'll ever be able to rebuttal that. It was two stiff arms in one game by two players that should never be able to stiff arm him. Uh, all right, let's get to the defense seriously, though. Uh, defensive line again, Brad. I mean, this was a game where – we saw the pass rush be everything that we've envisioned it to be. And it wasn't just the two players that we always are talking about. Instead, it was a combination of players 
Covington, obviously, with two and a half sacks, two tackles for losses. Uh, Whitney Merciless. And what did he end up finishing with? Did it end up being two sacks, Brad? Uh, Merciless. Um, yeah, yeah, Merciless had a sack and a half and then one TFL. Okay. Okay. So, I mean, with this defensive line, you know, Watt had a, a, a sack fumble. Um, Clowney was, as John would like to say, disruptive. Um your, I mean, what are your thoughts on the defensive line and uh, and where we go from here? Um, I'm going to say what a difference a Cunningham makes. You know, I think having Cunningham back th- back in there and then having the – you know, I think having Romeo just comfortable knowing that he's got a tackle machine in the middle of the field, you know, and Reed's back there and Matthew's back there to back him up, um, that it really freed up a lot of the stunts and a lot of the lineups, you know, the, the shifts and things that they were showing with Merciless – uh, and Clowney, you know, Clowney was a disruptor today. I think he over pursued a lot. Um, I think that was the understatement of the night. So only pursued a lot. It was only, it was only five. Yeah. Times. And so, but I think it really did free up merciless, especially. And then also Covington, Covington did a masterful job tonight of, of playing off of JJ specifically. And then whenever he noticed that they were, that they were, you know, double tip, uh, double team your or chipping JJ. He was bull rushing, you know, on his two and a half sacks, um, which he he actually had three, and they took half away from him and gave it to Watt, which I think Watt earned that as well. But um, you know, it was just a masterful, masterful game inside. Just the the defensive line in general. Uh, the defense overall played really great too. I think it was just two boneheaded plays on two large m- major pass plays that really made it a close game. You know, uh, Matthew um, to start the game, you know, missed his coverage. And then J. Joe had some pretty terrible coverage on the, the long pass passing touchdown in the third, um, you know, with and how just over pursued uh, and support, uh, you know, but overall I think the defense, even though giving up a lot of yards and, and looking, uh, a little shaky at times, you know, just you can't eight quarterback hits and six sacks, you know, and it's just a great day. Yeah, no, I mean, when your defensive line produces the game that they produced tonight, uh, it's usually a sign of good things to come. And I think I think a lot of what we're seeing from Merciless in the last three games is just the fact that, you know, a torn pectoral is not something to play with. And as you especially when you use your upper body for everything in pass rush. I mean, you do use your hips and you use your waist, but, and your legs obviously to push up, but a lot of your strength comes from your upper body, uh, a lot of different hand movements and stunts and things like that. So um, I, I think what we're starting to see is Merck is getting a lot better. Uh, John, the, the question I do have though, and this is a serious one is why is merciless and clowny in coverage and, and used as a quarterback spy uh, in this defense, you know, Zach Cunningham is back today to me in coverage seems like the most ideal candidate. And then as well with speed and sure tackling, I would assume would be good attributes for quarterback spy, but yet we're using Merck and Clowney in coverage. And I'm just kind of confused. I mean, Clowney's fast. So don't get me wrong. I can understand the the spy to an extent. Cause rack. Can do whatever okay. he wants. Is that is that what we're doing? Okay, no, agreed. I can't. Moving on to the next one. Uh, all right, uh, Honey Badger definitely didn't have his best game today. Uh, so are we now going to say cut Honey Badger? Is no, 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 no. I love Honey Badger. I don't want to cut him. I don't want to cut him. Uh, but I mean, he was responsible for the eighty-one yard touchdown. Uh, that was his assignment, blown by him. Uh, there was a couple of missed tackles that he had. Uh, I, I just. I, I just I think what I'm wondering is is this something that we come to expect from Matthew is very because a lot of times that's what they said in Arizona is very up and down. It would be 
a good streak of four games and then a bad game and then back to normal. Uh, hey, if he wants to have a bad game and this is the result. Sure. Yeah, I'm glad he got it out of the way. Sure. Got sure, it sure. out of the system. Sure. Let's let's get it out week 17. Um, <laughs> that way, going into the playoffs, we don't have to worry about it. Yeah. But but no, honestly, I mean. Uh, he definitely didn't have a strong game. Look, we love Honey Badger. I think he would be the first person to tell you that that was on him. Um, that was a bad play, uh, bad play read of the play by him. But uh, I mean, Honey Badger definitely just just had a bad game. The Maybe knock that- on him coming out of Arizona is they said that for a safety, he could not cover tight ends, and we've kind of seen it. I don't know if it. I don't know if they kind of get in his head because he can cover receivers, which are quicker. But the bigger tight ends just seem to mess with him, even though it's a pretty sloppy route. Uh, John O. Smith is a Delaney Walker clone. He's he's probably going to be a I, – I, I mean, I'm not going to lie. He's probably going to be a pretty good tight end here for the next coming years for the Titans, at least an average one. But Matthew definitely should have shut him down. And he just – he guessed strong. He thought he was going to block. He bailed out into coverage, and there's Smith just running right on by. Yeah, I mean it's going to happen. Uh, all right, let's let's get let's let let's let Brad gush a little bit because the Zach attack. Oh, it was in full motion tonight, Brad. I mean Zach Cunningham. I mean you touched on it earlier. Uh, I don't think many people know how how much of an impact he truly makes on this defense, but. Why don't you go ahead and gush over Zach and talk a little bit about his game tonight? Yeah, I mean, I, I, if you don't watch the Texas defense whenever Zach Cunningham's on the field and compare it with when he's not, um, you're missing a lot that's going on. It completely frees up. The fact that they had Clowney able to spy um, and keep, um, you know, Mariota, who's an athletic quarterback, in check um, was really the only reason they were able to do that because Cunningham was in the game um, and able to, to drop back in coverage as needed and make those key tackles. And let's be honest, he's had the two biggest tackles to to this point in the season. Um, he had the stuff along with McKinney on the goal line on the fourth down uh, tonight. And then he had the, the huge third down stuff against the Cowboys um, on their final drive in that game. And just whenever we need a big tackle, he just seems to always be there. Um, you know, he's still learning. He still gives up a couple yards more sometimes whenever he's tackling than he probably should. But just if it's one-on-one, he had another great shoestring tackle out in open field. I, I don't recall who it was against, but it was an athletic receiver and, um, and he was able just to make it in for a two yard gain, uh, early on in the game that I think that I was like, Oh, it's great to see him back because I think if there was J Joe out there or something like that, that they would have been, been juked, you know, into last week. So, um, it's great to see his, just his length. You know, he's he has length nearly as long as Clowney um, and he's he can actually cover. So um, it's just it's just great. Just their their defense is completely different whenever he's on there. And I know the people who are going to um, reap the rewards of that, I think, are going to be merciless, especially is probably the, the biggest recipient of of having that because he's merciless has been he's had some slow weeks only because he's having to play a little bit out of position while uh while Cunningham is is out. So um I really think him and Reed are the most important people uh, not on the defensive line and the defense. I would agree. I think that uh Zach Look, me and John have been gushing over Zach since we drafted him. This is a player that we expected to make an impact from day one, and he has so far. He's definitely had some coverage issues. That's going to happen. Uh, there's not one linebacker in the league that can cover every single you know player on the field. That's just not the way that that position works. 
typically are responsible for a uh, a zone or a running back or tight end, and uh, he's been at times lined up with wide receivers and and things like that. So uh, Zach is a huge part of this defense, and and moving forward, him staying healthy is going to be key to this defense continuing the momentum that we have right now. So, uh, all right, uh, JJ is back to form. John, you can't argue it anymore. Uh, JJ's JJ's JJ. I, I don't really know what else to say. I mean, I, I think three weeks ago we talked about it, and you were like, "No, he's just not back yet." Now no, I said that it he's close, he's stamina. real close, right? You know, when he was on the field, but it, this is an old JJ where he never takes a playoff. Yeah, and it was just playing a billion snaps a season, and he's he's not going to be that JJ again. But while he's playing, he is he is back to being the dominating JJ. Yeah, no, he is. I mean, you can see it on all, on all sorts of plays. Uh, his handprints or his fingerprints were all over the game tonight. Uh, he's just exactly what we need him to be. And uh, are all your notes having me uh, painted as a villain? No, I, I feel like you're trying. You're to, in person you're now. Trying to take everything. Yeah, I that can I've see said your over the past, Like I don't know, three months, and just pushing the worst <laughs> context of it possible. Well, you give such good context all the time that when I find a couple like chinks in the armor, I want to bring them up as soon as possible. And so tonight gave me the opportunity to bring up a couple things. Lamar, big one. Clowny being stiff-armed by Dion Lewis. <laughs> and then, uh, you know, JJ being back to form because you hate Captain America. But um, no one hates JJ. Nobody, nobody hates, JJ. hates JJ. No, nobody hates JJ. Uh, all right. Let- he can get some bath bombs too. Would you get in the bath with JJ? Probably. Okay. That's, I wouldn't. Uh, all yeah, right. you would. Okay, I would. I would. Uh, all right. Uh, Brad Covington, two and a half sacks. Uh, now, to me, I think, me and John, or I was talking to John about this during the game, and I think Covington is one of those players that has truly developed into a player for us. It doesn't show on the stat sheet, but when he's on the field, he's definitely a uh, his impact is definitely being felt uh, every snap he's on the field. He's not going to produce a ton of sacks because if you look at who's on our defensive line, it's going to be very hard for him to be able to. Um, but I mean, what does Covington bring to this defense in your opinion, and, and what is it that you know he did tonight that just do you, th- do you think he separated himself or do you think he's still the same player just happened to be in the right spot to make the play? I think it just a lot of his hard work is, is just showing up in the game. I think he was really smart tonight. I think if you, I, I can't wait to go back and rewatch the game and see basically how he adjusts his uh, pre-snap movements as Clowney and Watt are making their adjustments. I think he really put him in himself in a great position tonight to succeed by being, by making the most of what, what, the Titans did to adjust to JJ. Um, and I think that was a lot of what happened tonight. I don't, uh, you know, I'll have to go back and look at other games to see if he made any magic, you know, changes between here and there tonight may have just been, you know, a, a culmination of all the right parts, you know, moving for him. But I think, he, I think tonight hopefully gave him a taste of what could be. Um, and that there is enough for him to feast as well with this defensive line. Um, but he, He's been him and Reed are both have been really great in the middle um, all year long. And the reason that JJ is having the season he's having the reason that, um, you know, we love our linebackers so much. And Matthew's even been able to do what he's doing is because they're clogging that middle up pretty well um, as well as they, they can't, they can. So 
I think it just frees up the, you know, it starts at the middle and then everything from there just flows backwards. And if, if, if he and uh reader are having good nights, then I think it's going to be a good night all around. Yeah. All right. Let's get to the secondary. Cause the secondary had, had a, uh, another amazing game. Uh, Colvin didn't play too much, but uh, Jonathan Joseph had a hell of a game. Uh, I know the Corey Davis touchdown was with him in coverage. Uh, you're not going to have a perfect game. Uh, and then obviously with the blown coverage with the honey badger to the tight end for 81 yards, but take away those two plays and uh, you pretty much had an, a, a secondary that just completely shut down. Well, minus the 19 in a row completions that you were very impressed with by Marcus Mariota, John, uh, that was you want to talk a little bit about uh, how excited <laughs> you av- were to when see you're that? averaging half a yard, of pass. <laughs> <laughs> three yards of pass dude, when uh, the uh, booth went off. And they're like, and another one. It was like, that wasn't even a half yard pass. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I, they also love Dak Prescott. The, I found that out. They, oh, they talked course. a lot it's about Jason, Dak. Jason Witten. Yeah, of course. Just, yeah. Uh, all right. So, Again, petition going. Let's get uh, Arian to replace Witten. Arian Foster. Yes. Arian would that, never do it. He doesn't love the game enough. Dude, but he, it's a bad he, petition. You listen to his podcast. Like, yeah, his I love his insight, podcast. I listen every week. His insight would be would be so much more than anything you'd get from Witten. I agree 100%. Jason there's Witten's enough got Cowboys awful. on TV. It's, it's, it, there's enough Cowboys on TV. Troy, yeah, all right. Anyways, uh, so yeah, I mean, that's pretty much it. Look, guys, we're, we're on an eight-game winning streak, and uh, we're, we're, we're riding a high right now. So I've We've, got a question for y'all. Okay, great. Lay it on me. I'm usually the question guy, so I like to be asked. How good are we? I'll let Brad answer that first. Brad, how good are we? I, I think we're a lot better than people give us credit for, and even a lot of Texans fans are. The fact that they were down ten to nothing tonight, um, and then they just they just kept playing. I think I think DW four just sets this team up to have a we're just going to go out there and ball attitude. I don't know what's happened or what's changed, but nothing phases these guys. And I think it's extremely important to have that mentality in the playoffs. You know, whenever you get knocked in the mouth, being able to come back and swing some haymakers to your own is is extremely important in the playoffs and. You know, I think we all kind of got that uneasy feeling just because we're Texans fans and we we know how we perform in the prime time a lot of times. After 10-0, it was like, oh, what's going to happen? But I really, at no point tonight, was I worried because I, I just I just believe that this team's just learned how to pull it out. It may just be me drinking the Kool-Aid and me just, uh, you know, eating the magic mushrooms to go along with this eight-game winning streak. But at this point, I will put this defense up against anyone. And in a big game, I'll put Deshaun Watson – I'll, I'll I'll take my chances with Deshaun Watson with pretty much anyone. Yeah, I think I think it's a unique question, honestly, John. I think there's a lot to it. I think this team is as good as as they are healthy. Uh, I think if this team, obviously, minus Fuller, right, because he's not coming back, but I think the Kiki, um, the the offensive line, DW four. Uh, things like that. I think the potential for this team is truly, uh, I don't think any of us really know what the potential of this team could be. I think it's quick and easy for people to point out how we've won and lost, but you can only win the games that you're scheduled. And uh, we've done that. We've done that. And and look, that Broncos game that we won is looking better and better each week. They beat the Chargers and they beat the Steelers. Those are two good teams. Those two teams are in the playoffs. And, uh, I think that this team is is a really really good team. I think I think the thing that people are not giving enough credit to is during this entire run is really Bill O'Brien in general. I think 
it's easy for you when you're 0-3 to lose the locker room. It's easy for you to kind of throw your hands up and figure out what to do. But Bill O'Brien went back to a game plan, dealt with the cards he was handed with DW4 being hurt, a bad offensive line, lack of a run game, uh, and basically built the game plans each week to uh, take advantage of what this offense does extremely well. And I think that we're starting to see wrinkles of what this offense could potentially be. We saw it tonight. We saw a little bit of it in Miami, and then Fuller went down, and I think everybody at that point was like, okay, this offense is never going to be able to get back to where it was last year. I think now with Demarius Thomas, now that he's inserted and we're starting to see what he's doing and capable of as he was written off as being lost his step, not as good of a wide receiver, um, you know, why would you make that trade? But now we're starting to see that he's really a very polished route runner that can get separation when needed. And he would have had another touchdown last week if, if DW4 would have placed the ball properly in the end zone. Uh, so I, I think this team has the potential to really make some noise. A lot of it's going to come down to the health, and that's any team in this league. But I think with our scheme and the way that we play, when you miss certain parts of this offense, like Kiki Cutie, I think you're taking away a big part of what we want to do on offense, and it we it's very hard to replace those kind of players. If we ran an offense very similar to New England, where it was a lot of short intermediate routes, not a very creative offense, I think we would be fine. But I think with what we do, I think this team has the opportunity to make a run. I don't know how far of a run, but I think this defense is good enough to say that I think we can make a real run because the defense is that good. And I think when you have Deshaun Watson under the helm, I think you're always going to be in any game you play in. And last question for both y'all. One of the things that I caught at the end of the Monday night broadcast was they were talking about how we really hadn't played anybody on our schedule. We really hadn't faced any adversity yet. Yeah. Do y'all have a, a comeback to that? Or? Yeah. I mean, no adversity. Like it all goes back to like, you can only play who you're scheduled. Right. And look, we won those games. Nobody at the end of the season is going to be like, well, yeah, but you only won in Washington with a missed field goal. Yeah. You only won in Denver. In Denver at Mile High Stadium by a missed field goal. That's a tough place to play. It's Mile High, uh, Seattle. Those two are, I mean, those are the two. Arrowhead. And Arrowhead. Arrowhead. Those are the three places where it's like, that's a tough place to get a win. Well, guess what? We got one. Um, and like I said, that Broncos game is looking like a real good win. I mean, they they just beat the Steelers. And they they beat the Chargers pretty well. So, and the Chargers are a hell of a team. When I mean, we were talking beforehand, I'd rather not, I'd rather play the Chiefs in the playoffs than the Chargers in the playoffs. Um, so, yeah, I mean, look, we've faced adversity. We were 0 3. I don't know what other adversity you can really face. I mean, if, if anything, that's the face of adversity. And uh, when you can come back and put everything on your back and, and play the way that we have, uh, I, I would say that that's the, the testament to facing adversity. Yeah, I, I I agree. I think starting zero and three is there's doesn't get more adverse than that. I mean, look at just look at how the Jaguars have literally fallen off the face of the map, uh, and you know literally they're in free fall and in disarray and they're rebuild mode and all because they weren't able to come back after getting knocked down you know a couple games in a row. And I think it's just a testament of this team. Yeah, again you again you you 
you only have to win the games you play. But I mean, it, it hasn't been a cakewalk. You know, we had Deshaun Watson had to take a freaking bus to Jacksonville. And that was a game that they won 20 to seven on the road in the division against a really strong defense with a really banged up quarterback. I, you know, losing arguably a top 10 receiver in the league in Fuller and definitely a top three or four speed weapon in the entire league in Fuller. Um, you know, Kiki being out for a long period of time, uh, Miller missing a game, you know, it just the defense being in shambles for the longest time with, you know, just players hurt all over the place. This this team has come back and won from adversity. You know, I don't look at the scoreline. I look at the wins and losses, and I think at the end of the day, that's all that really matters. In the playoffs, it's all about who gets hot at the right time. Um, you know, as we've discussed in the past, you know, wild card teams have won the Super Bowl. Right now, we don't even look like a wild card team. We have we are one game out of the number one seed. That's just insane to even be talking about after starting an zero and three season. Uh, it's just a testament that for two plus months we haven't lost a game. And it's just been uh, a grind the whole time. They haven't been at full strength yet. You know, tonight was the closest they've been at full strength. And look how, look at the outcome. Um, you know, so I only have nothing but I, I, the people that said they, have, they haven't seen adversity, I think, or just uh, haven't been watching the games. Yeah, I, I think, and we'll get to this with one of the Discord questions, but um, we're just not getting the national love, and that's that's what that's what plays a part of it. And look, if you're a Texans fan and, and you're worried about the national love, don't be because you live in Houston. Whatever sport team you follow, even the Astros, coming off of winning a World Series, were not getting the national media attention that they deserved, and they were on paper the best baseball team in the major leagues this last year, they got better and they didn't get the the national recognition. It, it comes with being a Houston sports fan. So uh, remember right, it's because everybody's moving to Houston while everybody's moving away from all those Northern cities. Yeah. I mean, that probably plays a part of it. Um, all right, let's get into, so before we get into the questions, let's get into next week's game just a little bit because things have shifted mentally in my brain. Um, the Browns are scaring me. And I don't mean they scare me in the sense of like they're going to go on a run because it's pretty much impossible that they're going to go on a run. But they are a good team. Baker is playing out of his mind. Uh, John, what are your thoughts on the Browns game next week? And are, are, is there a reason for us to be scared? Because they do have a good defense and their offense is performing at a level that I don't think anybody expected. Well, the Browns have a ridiculous level of talent on that team. Um, Hugh I Jackson, why. yeah, Hugh Jackson should have been fired a long time ago. That team has way, way too much talent. Um, they were saying at the beginning. Remember a couple of weeks ago when Pat Starr tweeted out, "Look at the uh, Browns' uh, depth chart at running back. Is there not a single one on their running back depth chart that you wouldn't take?" And even now, I would still, I would take Nick Chubb. Uh, in a heartbeat, I would take um, Duke Johnson in a heartbeat. So they don't have a lot of depth at receiver, which kind of matches up pretty well for us because we do still have the slowest corners in the league. However, that means they rely more on quick quick passes, which will probably take away our advantage from the pass rush. So it'll be an, it'll be an interesting game. Of the games we play le- – that we have left. I cannot believe that the Browns and the Colts are the two games that scare me more than anything. I'd rather go play the Eagles than either one of them. But at the same time, we've won eight in a row. It's perfectly fine if we lose another game. I would 
just kind of get it out of our systems, get everybody to kind of reset. Because we're going to have to lose again, right? Why? I mean, it, it happens. It's the NFL. You don't win every single game. We can. Man, I hope so. History is made like to be your opinion, job. man. This- <laughs> and, I mean, honestly, with this group, we were just talking about it earlier. It's like I want this team to win in the playoffs because it's one of those teams that I just want to keep see keep playing. So if they're going to have a bad game, just get it out of the system. I hope it doesn't happen, but if it's going to happen, I'll probably either be against the Browns or the Colts. Yeah. Brad, what are your thoughts on the Browns? Well, let's game? be honest. I mean, it all comes down to their QB play. If Baker Mayfield has a hell of a game and just throws lights out, um, like Eli did against us, I know the Giants are a terrible team, but that if you go back and watch that game tape, Eli was making some some MVP type throws and his receivers are catching him. And on any given Sunday, a QB and can win a game by themselves. We've seen Andrew Luck do it by himself pretty much five weeks in a row uh, now at this point. Um, you know, so I think it all depends on the pressure they can get on there. I think Baker, you know, makes some rookie mistakes, like just pr- pretty much every young quarterback, whenever you get pressure on them. I think if, if they have a game plan similar to tonight, and if they're healthy, um, Cunningham, especially uh, if Colvin came in at the you know end of the game tonight, which is a good sign. He got a couple snaps, I think. He, I think he recovered that fumble. Um, I think if 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 our defense is healthy, I'll, I you know I'm not really all that worried. Um, but at the end of the day, if it if I think it just comes down to them making Mayfield make mistakes, um, and then the offense not turning the ball over. I think again, the only time we really get close to losing a game is whenever we make mistakes on offense with turnovers. Uh, and again, tonight was another clean, clean turnover game for him. And it was a pretty easy win. And so hopefully that, that continues. Yeah. What are your thoughts on, what are our thoughts on Baker Mayfield in general? Not necessarily as just a quarterback, but as a person on the field as well, the way he, his his charisma, the way he acts. John, what are your thoughts on, on Baker Mayfield, the player and the person, as one? Well, if you remember prior to the draft, he was my number one quarterback. Yeah. Um, he plays with that chip on his shoulder. He's one of those players that he can make up imagined slights. Um, I think that you kind of need that because of the grind of training for the NFL. You either got to love it or you've got to play angry. I think Deshaun truly loves it out there. I think Maker, Baker Mayfield goes out there with the same attitude as Brady does where he's like, fuck you, fuck you, fuck you, fuck you, fuck you. Deserved or not deserved. And then on top of that, physically he's short, but other than that he has a very quick release, very strong arm, very accurate. With the right play caller, he's pretty dangerous. I think that uh, this year's crop of rookie quarterbacks and even including last year's, he is probably more reliant on his offensive coordinator than anybody else. You can't be dropped into anybody and just have any offensive coordinator. But if you have the right guy that's mixing things up, then Baker has the potential to absolutely shred you, and he's not going to get rattled. So thankfully we have we have Rack, who has known, has made a career out of fucking with young quarterbacks. So... That's kind of like the saving grace that I'm not like too worried, but I still think that of the teams that of the two teams that can surprise us and really sneak up on us, it's either going to be the Browns or the Colts. And partly because who knows what to do with the Colts, 
Um, I think the Browns actually have a lot more talent than the Colts do, but it does come down to simply Baker Mayfield versus Andrew Luck. Andrew Luck elevates the entire team. May- Baker has the potential to do that, but as a rookie, there's going to be days where he just drags the team down. doesn't matter how good he is. Cool. Brad, what are your thoughts on Baker, the player slash person? I, I- I think how you just described them was was perfect. You know, he plays with anger and he plays with wanting to prove people uh, wrong more than anything. So it's a little more swagger than where DW4 literally just loves being out there and balling. Um, and I think whenever I think that can be a detriment, it's kind of like a gunslinger mentality where um, it's a detriment whenever if you start struggling, you know, that snowball effect can just accelerate. And so I think. Romeo is the key to that and getting him shook early on in the game. And it, it, I think it was even kind of how the parallel to how Mariota was doing tonight. Like he was succeeding, but down the stretch, just turned that dial up and then he just started panicking. And I think if you can do that with Baker, you're going to have, uh, you're going to have success. Um, the fact that he doesn't have any real skills positions at receiver to bail him out, um, and make huge plays and hopefully not get 80 yard completions and on blown coverages and things like that, I I think would hopefully limit um, his ability to stretch the field, which just means we can stack the box a little bit more and put more pressure on him. Um, You know, I think he's a talent. I think he's uh, could definitely be a top 10 quarterback. Um, If he keeps working on his game and he can mold it more after drew Brees, I think I could certainly see him having a a great career uh, in winning a super bowl. But uh, right now I think uh, his young swagger and attitude is uh, can be a chink in his armor. Yeah. So I think I'm I'm old school in the sense of when it comes to my quarterbacks, how I want them to act and play. I'm very Colin Cowherd about my opinions of quarterbacks. Uh, I I share the same sentiment that Colin shares. I, I think, I think Baker has all the talent in the world to be a successful quarterback in this league. I just wonder if that chink in his armor that you mentioned is bigger is a bigger threat than anything else. I think when it comes to a player like Baker Mayfield, I think a lot of what happens is internally. And uh, you can see that he wants respect. But one thing that I think he has to learn is that that respect in this league is earned. It's not just given out. And he's seeing a lot of um, – clap back right now with his comments about Hugh and things like that. And it doesn't really matter where all of us stand on it, but I mean, Marvin or Hugh Jackson had affiliations with the Bengals. A man needs to work is offered a job. He's going to go, especially when it's in the NFL. It's just kind of the way the league works. It happens all the time. So for, for, for Baker to be such a baby about it, in my opinion, and not give, a hug to a coach that was a part of drafting him and things like that. I, I don't know. I, I I think that his his attitude and personality is going to be more of a problem than people realize. But hopefully, I'm wrong because you don't want to see another player, uh, any player, to go down that that path. But uh, I think I think mentally where he's at and how he plays the game um, is very interesting. And I hope that he's not a backwards hat guy but I'm pretty sure he's a backwards hat guy. So, all right, uh, let's get into some of these questions as we round up the podcast. Uh, Brad, 
Genetizer wants me to make sure to tell you that you're an idiot for thinking that there was no defense in the Rams Chiefs That's game. That's not what I was saying. Is So, guys, if you don't know, in our Discord, we have um, live game chat. So, during the live game chat, in both the Texans games and NFL games, we're talking in there. And so, that's what we're talking about here. Um, during the uh, slaughter of the Titans, we started talking about uh, last week's Monday night game um, and how the commentators were saying, oh, there was great defense last Monday night and that's I just if there's a thousand yards total yards um, I can't call that great defense there were great defensive plays but that's not great defense Um, if you give up 450 yards of defense and 40 plus points I'm sorry that's not a great defensive game no defensive coordinator is going to go go in after the game and be like wow that was a great defensive effort guys no they're going to be like this was a mistake that was a mistake that was a mistake there were great defensive plays and I'm the reason the Rams won was because of the turnover battle Um, but it was far from a great defensive game for either team. So my rebuttal to that is when you can cause the number one offense in the league to throw three interceptions, score two touchdowns on forced fumbles. uh, I think that wipes away however many yards there were on that game. And I think, I think that the Rams do have a great defense. I think when you're playing the best offense in the league, you're going to give up yards no matter how good you are. We're not talking about a great defense in the sense of uh, the 2000 Baltimore Ravens with Ray Lewis and Terrell Suggs and Elodie Nada and things like that. Uh, I think that the Rams defense literally won that game. And I think when you can point to the defense winning that game, uh, and being the sole purpose for them winning that game, I think you can say that that there was great defense that night, and I think that the Rams played as good of defense as you can hope against a team like that. I think you're approaching it from the sense of the Texans, if they were to play the Chiefs, wouldn't give up that many yards and would would have a better uh, showing against the Chiefs. Is that kind of your yeah, angle? Yeah, and uh, don't get me wrong. I love – I love the son of bum. I love Wade Phillips. I love, I think they do have great defense in LA and I'm not trying to say that they don't. I just don't think it was a great defensive showing. I think they made the defensive plays against a young quarterback who made some boneheaded mistakes. Um, You know, I guess I'm just a classic football guy. Again, if you give up 460 yards nearly, even if you do make the turnovers down the stretch and you do make the, you know, even going against, you know, the greatest offense in the league, um, I, I don't, I guess they schemed correctly because they won the game in the end. But if, if, you know, a young quarterback doesn't make a couple of really bad plays, do they win that game? Uh, I don't think so. I think, I think that, you know, I think it was a little bit of mistakes and a little bit of good play. Yeah, the, the strip sacks and touchdowns to me, that's just great defensive effort that you can't really scheme that, you know, I think that just happens, but uh, you know, you can't take it away from them either. Um, They're an amazing defensive team. I would much rather play the chiefs than them before that very reason. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Like what keeps popping in my head was the year that we played the chiefs in the first round and we had a great defense and we gave up 40. We also had Brian throwing picks all over the place. I understand, but I mean, we still, I mean, we had a great defense. No matter what, if you have a great defense, no matter what position you're in, you're going to play great defense. Um, so I don't know. I, 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 but Genetizer wanted to make sure that he, Thanks, bro. Uh, he got his comment out. off. Sure. <laughs> uh, Phoenix, uh, am I dumb for thinking anything short of the championship is a failed season? 
Uh, I'll take this one, John. I, I, yeah, I, th- I know you're 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 not you're not dumb. I, th- I think that's that's why we play in this league. John's I, John's going back and forth. He's like waving I'm, back I, and forth. I, 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 I mean, I'm you not, play not gonna, the league to win. You right. play in this league to win the championship. So it's a failed season if you don't win. But guess what? Thirty-one other teams have a failed season. Yeah, I mean, statistically, like there's thirty-two teams in the NFL. For everybody to get a championship, you would have it would be thirty-two years in between, and that's not exactly how how pro sports works. So it's not it's a failed season as they failed to reach their goal. But ultimately, at, from our end, was the season entertaining? Did we see growth? Did we see a reason to continue watching next year? Um, and I would. I'm just going to go back to my original comment. This is a this is a team that I'm really enjoying watching. We've suffered through two and a half, three years of miserable football to get to this point where we have a team that's fun to watch. So I'm just going to enjoy it, and I hope they keep winning games so I get to keep watching them. This, For me, the more games I get to watch, the more successful I consider the season. But at this point, after what they've accomplished, I can't call it a a failed season. Okay. Fair. Fair. All right. Good question, Phoenix. Uh, Nacho day, bro. When will the national media, heck the local media start to take our wins serious. It always seems like they say we win because the other team had an off day. I mean, are we going to have to go 13 and three Brad? Um, yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head earlier. You know, Houston's just Houston's the, fourth largest city in the U S and it's about to be, it's going to pass Chicago within the next five or six years to become the third, but we're still not going to get respect a, because we don't really care about it. We're just the Southern laid back, you know, you know, y'all saying, you know, having a good time fixing to go place in football area. So we're not all uptight about it. You know, whenever they don't lose, it sucks. But then in the day we got Tex-Mex and we got margaritas. So it's not the end of the world. Um, you know, and we got no, we got no state tax, you know, so we just don't, I think a lot of it's just the fact that the fans, we get a lot, you know, a lot of people say the Texas fans are fair weather, but I think it's just, we, the South is just more laid back and it's just always going to be that way. We eat, sleep and breathe and die Texans. But if they don't win, you know, we're not going to burn the house down like they may be in Philly or something along those lines. But I, I, it's just never going to happen, guys. It's, Houston teams are never going to get respect, regardless of what happens. And to even, I like the fact that we're always the underdogs, and I think the team feeds off of that. Especially people like Honey Badger, people will play with the chip on their so- shoulder. Um, I fine, let them keep, let them keep uh, underestimating us. You know, we saw it with the Astros; that's how they fed off of that last year in 2017, and uh, that worked out pretty well. So I'm cool with it. I understand why people aren't, uh, but that's just that's just the nature of the beast, I think, with H Town. Yeah, no, I mean that's pretty much it. I mean that's that's it, it's Houston. We could win back to back Super Bowls, and to be honest with you, that following season we would be not considered to win another Super Bowl that year and have the same exact team or better. And Vegas wouldn't give us the odds. Uh, national media won't cover us. It's just the way of the world. Um, we just beat the Titans on Monday Night Football. You'll get some national recognition from this tomorrow. Uh, trust me, it's hard for me to listen to the Ringer NFL show, which is my favorite NFL podcast, and not hear my team talked about or to hear them dread talking about the Monday night matchup between the Titans and the Texans. It it sucks. Um, But it is what it is. We live in Houston or you guys live in Houston. 
and uh, that's just the way it is. So, all right, another question, and this one's for you, John. If Houston doesn't win a playoff game, no matter the record, do we fire Bill O'Brien? Not this year. Yeah, no. He just signed that extension, so not this year. Yeah, not this year. I would agree. Uh, all right, and then Nacho Debro, uh, do you think Watt or Watson will be the comeback player of the year? Um, I actually think – I don't think Deshaun's going to be running for either one of those or for that one. And I actually think J.J. wins defensive player of the year. Wow. I think down, I think down the stretch yeah, he can definitely step it up I, and, uh, and close the gap. You know, it's funny. At the beginning of the season, it was like, oh, impossible for JJ to do it, right? And then when you add to the fact that we were 0-3 and the record was what it was, now we're a different team. Now we're on an eight-game winning streak. We're number one in the division by two games. We've Our defense is, whether or not our team gets uh, national recognition, our defense will always get national recognition and considered one of the greats. Um, and I think JJ is that captivating of a person and player that that will overcome a lot of it. And I think that he has the potential if he continues on the streak that he's currently on, uh, which he's on a streak to end, I think with 18 or 19 sacks this year. Um, I think if that continues and we continue to win, uh, I think JJ Watt could win defensive player of the year. He may just because of our record and because of who JJ is. Um, and I hope he does. And then for the comeback player of the year, I think it'll come down to JJ and Andrew Luck. Yeah, I think Andrew Luck's probably got that one in the bag, to be honest with you. I mean, he plays a quarterback position. And plus, there was just so many injuries last year. Like, there's probably players we're not even thinking about right now that could potentially be comeback players of the year. So, um, yeah. All right. Uh, what else have we got? Anything, Brad? You got anything else? Yeah, just to enjoy this, guys. Eight wins in a row is fan freaking tastic. Um, and if you get a chance, go check out the uh, Houston Texans Twitter. They have some uh, post game ball uh, stuff for uh, Cal McNair and stuff. It's pretty hits me right in the feels, man. So um, you know, I think we just keep riding the highs, guys. Yeah, uh, John. What else you got? That's it. You want to rest in peace, Bob McNair? I think everybody's kind of, I don't want to say heard enough of it. Um, but, hey, let's enjoy our win tonight. There's a lot of tributes out there for, for McNair. You can go read them and include on, enjoy include it on our site else. at TexansUnfiltered.com. Yeah. We have a, uh, a, a roundup with all the people's you know feedbacks and emotions and stuff like that on Bob. So. Yeah, I'll end the podcast like this. Um, rest in peace to Bob McNair. Uh, you never want to hear of anybody losing their life, um, especially in a way that he did in the battles that he went through in the latter part of his years. Um, it, it's a sad day to know that his family is impacted in the manner that they are impacted right now by losing somebody. Um, whether you agree with some of the things that he has said or done. Um, I don't think that that uh, is always indicative of who the person is. Uh, people do make mistakes. I'm not one to um, move on past those types of mistakes, but I will say that as a human being, 
Um, he did do a, quite a bit of good in a lot of other areas, um, especially in the Houston community, in the South Carolina community, uh, where John was impacted um, and saw his impact firsthand. So uh, rest in peace to to Bob McNair. Uh, prayers and wishes to all, all of his family members, Cal and Janice and uh, everybody at the Houston Texans organization, because it, it's definitely not easy to deal with. So, uh, and con- you know, I'm, I'm excited to see what Cal does. I think it's really for me probably one of the one of the things that I'm I'm looking forward to. So, with that being said, because we don't end on a uh, on a, a sad note here on Texans Unfiltered, um, I'm going to let John go. Um, f- I guess call your 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 father in law and apologize for fucking titties on uh, the podcast. Um, I'll let you call Jadavian Clowney and have him apologize for uh, getting manhandled by a five foot five running back and a six foot one quarterback. Uh, and outside of that, Texans Unfiltered listeners, you can find us at on Twitter and on Instagram at Houston FB Pod. You can find us on the World Wide Web at www.texansunfiltered.com. You can join our Discord channel, which was very active during tonight's game. It was very fun to talk to everybody and have those conversations about the game. Uh, so be sure to check out our Discord. You can find it on our Twitter, and you can also find it on our homepage of our website at texansunfiltered.com. And if you are listening right now, that means you're a truly dedicated listener. And for you, our truly dedicated listeners, I have one request. If you could tell two people this week that have not listened to our podcast about our podcast it would be much appreciated Uh, a lot of what we do is through instagram and twitter but we don't pay for marketing we don't pay for any of the other things all we are looking to do is continue to grow the audience and for that to happen the best way for it to happen is organically through word of mouth and and our passionate listeners uh taking that passion and uh, spreading it out so i'm challenging all of you to tell two of your friends who are texans fans to give our podcast a listen as we do do this every week for you guys. Uh, I hope you guys enjoyed the three podcasts week last week. Uh, and I think we may have a, a special guest lined up for next week. I'm not going to say exactly who yet because I want it to be confirmed, but uh, make sure you stay tuned. And with that being said, I am Young Ari Gold signing off for Texans Unfiltered. We'll catch you guys next week. <laughs>